Welcome to The Slip, an Atlanta sports podcast for the true ATL and I'm the host, Brandon Baird. You can follow me on Twitter at Bairdian underscore slip. You can follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. You can also find us on Stitcher. How's everybody doing today? We got a lot to get into today. Uh, training camp for the Falcons just started up. And that started up yesterday. Um, I'm going to get into a little bit of what we're going to look out for. I'm going to get into a little bit of Braves talk. I mean, the trade deadline is right around the corner, a.k.a. it's in a day. Um, I'm going to talk about a potential trade. I'm going to talk about the potential push that the Braves can possibly make to winning the NL East division for the fourth consecutive time. Um, and then I'm bringing back uh, one of my favorite segments. I'm bringing up my final thoughts, which brings back some of um, the sports-adjacent related material. Um, and I, so I think that is something that y'all really got to stick out with or um, stick out for. But first, you know, I got to tell y'all who I'm slipping on. You don't want to piss them off. Here is what you slipping on. I'm slipping on Team USA Basketball. They have been an absolute disgrace. This team is, I think, arguably worse than the 1988 team, which is, of course, the team before the Dream Team. This team has been putting on poor performance after poor performance, and I think they are emblematic of what the U.S thinks they are today. They think they are continuing to be some powerhouse. They think they are continuing to be unmatched against a lot of smaller places. And that's just not the case anymore. A lot of these places have caught up to them. They lost to Nigeria in an exhibition. They lost to, um, I think, Australia. In an, oh, no, they play Australia next. They lost to someone else in an exhibition and and you know at some point you were like okay maybe they were going to come back and for the for the olympics when the when the games actually mattered that they were going to pull it all together but if you really thought that they were going to put it all together i don't think you really understand sports as a whole it doesn't just start out of nowhere you can't just start performing like you want to perform out of nowhere you have to practice how you want to perform you have to do it in practice how you want to perform you got to do it in an exhibition and then it will then carry over to the actual games maybe all that practice will get you a maybe they didn't have enough practice they don't have enough teamwork they don't have a good enough coach that is good enough to handle this team. Greg Popovich is a great NBA NBA coach. The Spurs are built on team basketball. Team USA is not that kind of team. They need a different kind of coach. It's why a person like Mike Trzeszewski was able to be a person to come in there and and actually take those redeemed teams and make them go on the ridiculous 25-game Olympic winning streak that dated all the way back to 2004. But Greg Popovich just doesn't have it. 
And it's not like Team USA doesn't have some players. They got players like Dame Leonard, Lillard. They got Kevin Durant. They got Bam Adebayo. They got Jason Tatum. They got Devin Booker. But there's so many players that aren't playing. But even with those players that are playing, they should be beating these teams. And this team showed up and it bought their and it bit them in the butt when they lost to France. They lost to France 83 to 76. The USA's highest scorer was Drew Holiday with 18 points. They lost to a team that's headlined by Evan Fournier and Drew Holiday. Evan Fournier in that game had 28 points. On people like Bam Adebayo. Had 28 points on people like Draymond Green. Had 28 points on people like JaVale McGee. France out-rebounded this team 42-36. And yeah, 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 they got... A defensive player of the year in Rudy Gobert. But you're telling me with all the talent that this team has here that they couldn't put together a team that could beat that France team? It's unacceptable. Now they did come back and beat Iran the other day. They got 21 from Dame. They got 16 from Book. They got 14 from Tatum. And so they better beat Iran. But next they got Australia. And they have to win this game. If they don't win this, they aren't going to make it out of this this uh this um round robin play. You got to make it out of the group stage. Otherwise that will be a terrible disappointment. Now we do have to understand that these teams are a lot better than what they used to be. They really are. I I will say that these teams that are playing are definitely a lot better than what they have been in the past. That does not excuse the fact that this Team USA team is not good enough right now. And what's worst of all, and what I'm really slipping on, Trey Young didn't even get an invite. So what do you expect to do? Some of the players that are out there that are better than the scrap team that you're picking up. Where your best player, Kevin Durant, isn't even playing the most minutes. Alright, alright, it's time to get into some Braves talk. Uh... I'm feeling more optimistic than I have been in a while for the Braves. Um, Because mainly they have played 500 baseball since the All-Star break, playing teams like Tampa Bay, playing teams like um, San Diego Padres. Uh, They were able to split a series with the Phillies. And I'm hoping that they're able to win this five-game series against the Mets that they're currently playing in right now. Um, last time I checked, they were losing um, 1-0. Um, I'm hoping that that will change. Um, 
but you know they they got to get some hits together. Um, but I'm I'm optimistic because they're still in this race. Entering the game today, they are four games out of out of the uh, NL East division place. And what they are going to need to do to get into the playoffs is win the NL East, and that's completely possible. But that's not possible with the current roster that they have. Um, like I mentioned last week, they are trying to play. Um, they're trying to play for the future, and they're trying to play for now. However, they're not good enough to play for now. Right now, you have to add to that team, and quite frankly, they're in a position to make some trades for some pieces. And thank goodness I didn't come with that Gallo, a Gallo trade, because that was that would have been this misproven. But there is a trade that I do feel like can happen that will help the Braves in multiple ways. But here's the thing. The Braves have three outfield prospects that are going to be ready either next year or the year after. Two of them should be ready to next year. One of them has already been up. And then one is in double A right now, or, or he's in single A right now, and should be ready soon. Because they are projecting him to be on that Acuna track, where he starts out in double A, and then moves quickly up to triple A next, in the next year. So when it starts out the year after, in that second year, he'll be ready for the MLB. And those three outfield prospects is Christian Pache, Drew Waters, and Michael Harris. I know a lot of y'all have heard about Christian Pache and Drew Waters, but Michael Harris, that's a, that's a lesser known name among, among just common MLB folk. He's a single A player, but he's a baller. Um, he started this season on, I think, a over a 10 game Hitting streak. Hitting hitting over 300 in that span. And that's the guy that's going to be ready in two years. But this is why you can make a trade. Acuna is going to be there. You're going to have one of either Christian Passe or Drew Waters or both available for next year. And then in the year after that, you'll have Michael Harris. That's four people. There's only three outfield spots. Now with that, I propose you trade one of them. And here's the trade that I would make. I would trade with the Pirates. What I would do is I would trade Christian Pache. I would trade Kyle Wright. And I would trade mid-level prospect for Brian Reynolds. In Rich Rod. That would help the Braves in the outfield right now. So they aren't playing two mid-level replacement level players. You're replacing them with an all-star. And you're replacing them with one of the best closers in the National League right now. I was talking to frequent collaborator and my brother Mike Clayton. And he said he'd love that trade. Now, I'm going to have to ask the man if he would do that trade. But the main thing is you cannot stand still right now. 
There's so much time left to not make a big move. Make a big move. Make that push. Because right now, we are a 500 team. Probably a little bit worse than a 500 team. The Mets are not that much better than a 500 team. Right now, they're only four games better than a 500 team. And if you're telling me that reinforcing that bullpen and putting another big bat in the lineup that's going to hit for a little bit of average and can also pop a little bit, that's going to make this Braves team a decent contender in this NL East. It's a huge loss with Acuna, but you got you to gotta keep moving. He'll be back next year, but that doesn't mean you give up on this season. You got too much talent on this team to give up. With that being said, you have an MVP caliber playing, and you got an MVP caliber player playing at an MVP level right now. And that's Freddie Freeman. A person that's been just coasting under the radar for a lot of people. But over July, dude has been balling. In the last 30 days, he's hit 414 with a 505 on base percentage. He's had six home runs and has an OPS of 1,171. That's just asinine. That is absolutely asinine. There's only one person with a higher OPS, and that's Juan Soto, who has 20 points higher OPS. Has the same amount of home runs, though. He doesn't have a higher average than, than Freddie Freeman right now. Freddie Freeman, after two months, was hitting 220. Right now, He's up to 291 entering today with a 396 on base percentage, a 911 OPS, and has hit 23 home runs. He can carry this team to beat a team that's only a little bit better than a 500 team. But he's going to need more help. You got Ozzy Albies playing at an all star level, you got Austin Riley that's playing at an above average level right now. He's playing a really good third base. You got Jock Peterson that's been really productive and shown that he can be productive and was doing pretty well for the Cubs. Hitting for power, not too much average, but he was still getting on base and getting his walks. You have Travis Darno coming back from injury. You have Dansby Swanson slowly heating up. Not His lows aren't going too low anymore. Still striking out too much, but his lows still aren't that low. However, with the pitching staff that you have now, if you reinforce that pullpen, the starters right now are absolutely going crazy. Tuki Toussaint has come in, beat the Padres. Pitched really well against the Phillies, only gave up one run. Dude has 17 Ks over his past two starts. He's looking like the prospect that we thought he was. 
Kyle Mueller, a person that also stepped up, has been pitching really well. Max Freed is pitching like he did last year. Charlie Morton just got his 10th win. Drew Smiley, the person that I was most worried about in the Braves rotation, is starting to look a little bit good. Starting to look like he's a player that can hold this team up just a little bit. That can give this team a chance to win, which he was not doing at the beginning of the season. You got your Oscar Yanoa coming back. My prediction? He's going to play closer if you don't get Rich Rod. If he goes and bees a reliever type, that means he gets to come back quicker. You have five guys already. And that's not even counting Ian Anderson. You have enough talent to move him to the bullpen and reinforce that. You're still going to need some more pieces in the trade. But you have to keep bolstering with what you have. And they have the players. But you have to make moves. I better see some fireworks from Alex Anthopoulos. Otherwise, believe me, next episode next week, I'm going to be slipping on him. Because if he doesn't appropriately reinforce this team the way that he possibly could with the prospects that we have, for now and the future, he's letting he's he's giving a a, dis, a disservice to the Braves. If you want to act like a contender, act like a contender. But don't pussyfoot around. That's not what we need right now. We need some bold moves. If it doesn't work out, oh well. But don't just stand pat, because right now it's a 500 team, and if you stay still, they're going to continue to be a 500 team. You're listening to The Slip with Brandon Baird. All right, all right, it's time to get into a little bit of Falcons talk. It, You know, I, it, I'm just going to get into a little bit of what we got to look for, you know. I mean, it's going to be an interesting year. You know, we don't have Julio. Um, it, it's we, we got a new coach. Um, we got a new GM. And I, quite frankly, don't know what to expect. I, I can hope that it's not going to be the same Falcons that blow leads and shit. But, I mean, you know, that that's also, um, and that, that's wishing for something that seems like damn near impossible to wish for. Sad. But, you know, there are some things to look out for as a Falcons fan. Um, that it should be pretty intriguing to look out for in, in the training camp, and particularly just the training camp battles. Um, and first, the first training camp battle that you got to look forward to is Olamide Zacchaeus. Olamide Zacchaeus is a third-year player um, that, you know, I'm hoping will turn the corner. Um, in 2020, he had... Uh, 20 receptions for 274 yards and a touchdown. Um, and that, that touchdown was for about 50 yards. Um, in 2019, he had a couple catches, but one of those catches was a 93-yard 90 yard touchdown catch. Um, the dude has shown to have talent. And 
with just the current structure of the Falcons wide receivers, you know, there, there just really wasn't too much space for him. But with Julio Jones gone, there's going to have to be a third wide receiver that's going to step up in some spots. It's not going to be like a true um, third wide receiver. You know, this this is a person that's not going to be playing in the slot because that's what Russell Gage is going to be doing. You know, you got Calvin Ridley who's going to, um, you know, be the number one receiver. And... Um, but there is a person that is going to be there and getting at least, you know, two to three targets a game. I think that's reasonable for that third wide receiver to get two to three targets a game. And and you'll understand a little bit later, later about what I'm talking about. But let's see if Zacchaeus is going to step up. Another person that I think may be able to step up is Christian Blake. And last year, Christian Blake had 13 receptions for 141 yards. Definitely a worse season than Zacchaeus, but they were kind of in the same spot, just trying to to get a little bit of some some burn when when people were sitting out. You know, when Julio was taking a break. But you know, he really hasn't established him for much more than that. Can he take that next leap? I'm not sure. Um, but you know, and then and then you got um, a person that is a you know a, a person that may be that third wide receiver in, in Tajay Sharp. Um, you know, he in 2019 he had 25 receptions for 329 yards and four touchdowns. He's a guy that's worked in Arthur Smith's system. And he's brought in to really have some competition with Zacchaeus and Blake. My hope is that Zacchaeus is able to take that next step and show that he's ready to be that wide receiver that can be dependable within the role that he's placed in. I don't expect him to go out and be some big wide receiver, but I do expect him to be dependable. And I don't think that's too much to ask. The next training camp battle that I'm looking for is a position that you know we thought we had handled um, when we drafted Desmond Trufon and Robert Alford um, in in 2015 but then it kind of looked like ah, I'm not sure and and that's the cornerback battle um, you know right now the only person that we have is AJ Terrell. That's the only person that's locked in. Everybody else is like is you know, they they can damn well not have a job at the end of training camp. That is the current situation that the Falcons have at cornerback. They don't have any good cornerbacks. Hopefully they they step up. Let's see if a guy like Kendall Sheffield who showed some promise yesterday last season but also got burnt a whole bunch. You can't do that and be a number two guy. You get a guy like Isaiah Oliver that was getting called pass interference all day, every day. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. I played a little bit better in the slot, but we need a number two corner. We need one. 
And then, you know, another person to look out for is our fourth round pick, Darren Hall. You know, I, I, I'm hoping that one of these guys can step up. Do I have too much faith that one of these guys will step up? I'm not sure. You know, um, it, you, like, I mean, this is, this is the kind of dire situations that the Falcons are in. Kendall Sheffield last season had a PFF grade of 40.3. Isaiah Oliver, who I thought was worse, had a PFF grade of 58.8. So, you know, like something's got to give. But this guy, Darren Hall, um, is an opportunistic guy. He's an aggressive guy. And I think that's a really good fit for a number two guy. You know, he has average size, but, you know, he has really good long speed and, and has good explosiveness. Um, in college, he was known to be a ball hawk. Um, I'm hoping that someone steps up and surprises this team because that is what the Falcons need at this at this time. They need... They, I mean, listen, if the Falcons want to get better than a 500 team, they're going to need a handful of people to step up. I've said this a long time. I said this last year. I said it during the, um, then in the, during the Falcons review that they are going to need about two years to rebuild this team. And you know, the thing that sucks is we don't know how how much time Matt Ryan has. I think he's going to be locked up for another two years just because of the cap hit. And I think he is a good enough quarterback, and I've said this all along, he is a good enough quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Let's see if the team surrounding him can rise up to a a level that actually performs there. I don't know what happened there. Now, the last camp battle that's not a battle that I'm looking forward to is I just want to see how Kyle Pitts, how our first round pick, Kyle Pitts, is going to be featured. That is going to be our number two receiver. Number one receiver, Calvin Ridley. Number two receiver, Kyle Pitts. Number three receiver, Russell Gage. And then you're going to talk about the Christian Blakes and the Alameda Zacchaeuses. That's why I don't expect them to, um, you know, I don't expect those uh, fourth and fifth wide receivers to be too much. Because Kyle Pitts is supposed to be that number two receiver. He's a guy that's supposed to get at least 800 yards. That's supposed to get at least 80 catches. That'll be a tremendous year from a, uh, from a tight end, and this is a guy that is supposed to be a guy that can come in the league and do that. It's going to be exciting to see, and so it's going to be interesting to see how they feature him because it's quite frankly it's going to be important. Um, if this, if they're going to trade away a guy like Julio Jones, you better come with a big plan, and you better not miss. When we come back, we'll get into my final thoughts. This is the slip with Brandon Baird. Rick Dennison, Cole Popovich, a Vikings assistant coach and a Patriots co-offensive line coach were both let go from their jobs because they didn't want to get 
the COVID-19 vaccine. At this point where we are, where the Delta variant is constantly increasing and we're moving towards how we were right before the shutdown, where hospitals were being overloaded, so much overloaded that they couldn't take care of the patients that needed the regular people that had heart attacks, strokes, other problems that may arise that aren't airborne illness related. It's your choice whether you get this vaccine or not. But you also have to understand that it faces the consequences of when you don't get that vaccine. People want to talk about freedom. But how much freedom do you really have when the value that you put into your freedom puts others at risk? Dignity is free. Wearing a mask, even if you're vaccinated, shows a little bit of dignity. Because it's the only thing that helps yourself and it also helps the other person. And what the NFL is doing with the moves that they made, saying that if you are vaccinated, that you have more protections in the NFL, but if you're unvaccinated and you catch COVID and you have to miss games, you get punished more, you're protecting their money. And indirectly, they're protecting their people. And if your freedom crumbles because you are mandated to get the vaccine, your freedom was built on a straw bridge. This has been a slip in Atlanta Sports Podcast for the True ATL. And I'm the host, Brandon Baird. You can follow me on Twitter at Baird underscore slip. Please follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. I'll catch y'all next week. Peace. Welcome to The Slip, an Atlanta sports podcast for the true ATL. And I'm the host, Brandon Baird. You can follow me on Twitter at Bairdian underscore slip. What is going on, y'all? It is good to be here. It is good to be back. We got a lot to get into today. Oh, man, we got a lot to get into. We got a little bit of Falcons talk training camp started up this past uh, yesterday. Training camp started up yesterday, um, so it, it's going to be a lot to get into with that. Uh, the Braves um, muted. Uh-oh. What's going on here? Hmm. works.
everybody's telling me they can't hear me, but I don't know what to do. Rick Dennison. Cole Bopovich. I gotta re I gotta redo that. 